Welcome to the Beltway Broadcast, the premier podcast for the workplace learning and talent development professionals of the Association for Talent Development's Metro DC chapter. We've got some great resources in store for you today. Hello, fellow ATDers. I'm Leticia Niago, the 2022 president-elect for the Metro DC chapter of the Association for Talent Development. Hey, everyone. I'm Stephanie Hupka, a chapter past president and a member of the pod squad here at the Metro DC chapter of ATD. We also have Helena Hodges, vice president of finance and operations as our producer. For today's episode, we are interviewing the owner and executive director of Dancing with Markers, certified virtual facilitator, certified coach, experienced visual note taker, and effective leadership development trainer, Lauren Green. Welcome, Lauren. Thank you so much for having me. And thank you so much for the super kind introduction. That was very (laughs) nice. I'm happy to be here. Sure thing. Before we jump into our topic of visual note-taking, please share a little bit about yourself with our listeners. Sure. Um, So my company is Dancing with Markers, and and people sometimes wonder where that that name comes from. I, I do have a background in professional dance. So I have a BFA in dance. I have a master's of science in organization development. Uh, and I actually got my, my degree at George Mason. So if there are any ODKMers out there listening, <laughs> thanks for listening. And, and so I, um, and I also have a background in communications. And so when I transitioned into the wonderful world of facilitation, um, getting my start in graphic facilitation or, uh, you know, what I call visual facilitation really felt like it combined and, and checked a lot of boxes for me. So, um, dancing with markers, that's, you know, it, it comes from my dance background, but also the way that we, dance as facilitators in the moment with our participants. And there's also a leadership metaphor there in terms of how we lead and and follow as well. Um, And of course, the markers reference the the visual facilitation um, component using markers to draw on the wall. Sometimes I'm holding the marker because I'm I'm the one listening and capturing. And sometimes the participants are holding the marker because they're doing the capturing on visual templates. So I'm excited to, to dive into this topic and, and share some juicy nuggets. <laughs> Your background is so interesting. And thank you for sharing all of this with us. First, can you tell us what is visual note-taking? What is visual note-taking? So visual note-taking is, uh, I'm, I'm going to describe the role of a visual note taker, somebody who is listening to a meeting or listening to a talk, and they are capturing either on paper or on an iPad, uh, key points at a high level of the conversation. Um, and they're also capturing visuals with that. So visual note taking is really the act of intentionally capturing uh, notes using a visual format. Um, Now, if you were ever somebody that used to doodle in school, and maybe you were told not to do that, um, I can now inform you that you are actually doing something that actually increases your engagement and retention of information. So what we find is that (laughs) through having a visual note taker, um, also called graphic recorder, also called digital scribe, Uh, As part of your meeting, we find that that helps participants really see their ideas and it enables 
Um, it enables more information retention for them. Even better is when you have the participants take the notes using a visual template of some kind or perhaps mural as a virtual facilitation tool. So kind of like to make the distinction between visual note-taking, um, the note-taking role, and then visual facil facilitation where the participants are really in that role of note-taker. Now, how does visual note-taking differ when we're working with a team in a live environment versus virtually? Sure, sure. So um, when I'm in, uh, I kind of wear two hats. So in one sense, the role of the scribe or the visual note taker, for instance, um, when and and that when I'm wearing the scribe hat, so I'm listening and drawing. If we're in the room, usually I'm rolling out a great big piece of paper, four feet tall, eight feet long on a huge wall, and I'm drawing with markers. Um, but digitally or virtually, I should say, uh, and if I'm in that role, then I'm hooking up my iPad um, and I'm uh, I'm hooking into a Zoom meeting and um, and people are able to see what I'm drawing on my iPad now. A lot of times that's a little bit hard to envision. You usually have to do some kind of screen share or I can actually share my iPad feed as my video. I'm actually, actually just published a YouTube video with the different options. So if you want to geek on that, geek out on that, you totally can. But those are the main difference, differences, again, for the visual note-taking role. Um, and then uh, getting if we get into the visual facilitation side, then there's uh, uh, you know, a lot more things we can talk about. <laughs> And I, I'm first of all, definitely going to geek out on YouTube. I mean, this sounds just completely fascinating. I had not really thought about some of those virtual options. And you've kind of alluded a little bit to this, but I'd love to pick your brain a little bit more. As far as some of the benefits for virtual facilitation for visual note taking, I guess I kind of want to start from the beginning of that. What makes it so compelling for learners? What is it about it? Because I know for me, I've sat in a few sessions where we've had visual note takers and it feels like magic happening in front of me in a way. I'm wondering if you could share a little bit about what is it that makes it so compelling? <laughs> I, um, I I get that a lot. <laughs> and um, and the, usually the first thing I say is, it's really not magic. <laughs> <laughs> It it's looks like it. It's not a magic trick, um, but we all get that. Whenever, I mean, if you if you have um, a, a strength or a special skill, if to people who are not familiar with it, it does. It looks like magic, but um, yeah. So what? Is, so you, to answer your question, so what is compelling about that? Well, there's something about seeing an image drawn live that just attracts us and pulls us in, and we just want to learn more. Sometimes I get the comment, um, it's, it kind of triggers me too, is, is um, oh, I was so distracted by what, what you were doing. And to that, I say, well, wait a minute, because what I was doing was just illustrating what's happening in the room. So if you were distracted by that, then in theory, you're actually paying attention. You were focused. <laughs> you were Absolutely. focused. So, um, so that's something that I get a lot that I, I, I try to reframe uh, whenever possible. But really, it's, it's the act of seeing something drawn live in front of you that engages people. And I think there's also something about the hand-drawn look that really is very approachable. And in a world where things are confusing and um, when we're looking used to looking at PowerPoint slides with too much, too much text on the screen, um, 
it's a it's a relief to see some something with a hand drawn, um, really almost um, school age kind of quality, and where it attracts us. Yeah, I think you've actually really connected into some of what makes it so magical for me. It's not to say I feel like I could do it, but it's almost to say, you know, it really does connect in with that, the doodling, the scribbling, the things that I've always done as I'm processing. It's watching someone do that in a way that brings organization into it. And I guess that actually takes me into another question that I've got for you. And you've sort of alluded to this too, but I, I, I'm i a little skeptical because I've seen my own artistic abilities. <laughs> so you're saying anyone can do this. All of us could have a role in virtu- in a visual note-taking or you know, maybe even facilitation to some extent. You're going to love one of the blogs we just put out. It's called, <laughs> it's called So You Think You Can't Draw. Yeah. Yeah. I think <laughs> I can't draw. That's exactly me. <laughs> Which is sort of a play on the So You Think You Can't, So You Think You Can Dance yeah. TV show. Um, a- anywho, so, um, <laughs> the, so the skills of visual note taking, again, sometimes called graphic recording, sometimes called digital scribing, sometimes called sketch noting. Um, I'm referring to all of those things when I say this, that the skills, uh, are basic drawing skills. Now, basic, basic drawing skills are often not taught in school. And for most of us, we stop drawing at a certain age and, uh, and whatever age you stopped learning how to draw at, that's the age that you still can draw at. And for most of us, that might be eight years old or 10 years old or 12 years old or whatnot. The other thing is, so that's why a lot of people still have a very elementary um, capability with drawing. But the other thing is we're only taught that when we draw, it should be aesthetically pleasing. We're not taught drawing as a communication tool. But as an adult, that's a, that's exactly what it needs to be. So we have to reframe how we think about drawing and the purpose that it serves as an adult rather than as a child. And if you even if you think about if you look at so so visual note taking as we know it originated or is often thought to have originated from um, David Sibbett organization called the Grove and the colleagues that he worked at worked worked with in San, in San Francisco and in the eighties and nineties. And what David Sibbett did is that he looked at what architects, engineers, and uh, and educators and what they were already doing and the way that they communicate is through visuals. And he, and they said, well, how can we use this to make our meetings better? So that's where it came from. So so the skills of it are are basic drawing, and you can teach basic basic drawing. You you start with seed shapes. You start with uh, you know basic learning how to draw a straight line, and there is a technique to it, and it can be taught. It's very it's a uh, almost like if you will, it's like taking a uh, yoga class. <laughs> oh, I love learning it. How to draw a straight line, and then the listening piece, and the listening piece is one that is a little bit trickier and, um, and maybe we're just not used to listening, but if you actually pay attention to how you listen, you are usually, and I almost just, I almost just did it. You're listening for things that the speaker is naturally emphasizing either through the speed of their voice, the volume of their voice, repeating a thought so that you know it, it's important. Or my favorite, here are the three things I want you to know. (laughs) And just if you start to pay attention to what you listen to, you realize that 
picking up on what's important is just a matter of tuning into certain audio cues. Oh, I, I think that makes total sense. So and you've also sort of touched on something else. I mean, every time you you share something, I think, oh my gosh, that's, you're, that's exactly what I need to know next. <laughs> In order... so. W- one of the the things that I'm always really impressed with is the organization and structure that some of these sort of visual note-taking skills can bring to events. So as you're approaching that, you know, as you're listening in to an event, to speakers, maybe multiple speakers, how are you picking what ends up on this, you know, what turns into a beautiful mural of sorts that represent the conversation and the thoughts? Is Are there certain things you're listening for in addition to repetition that help you to really zone in on what people might be looking to see as far as what they'd get out of it? Absolutely. And, and you know, a lot of visual note takers approach this a little bit differently. So, um, so, uh, so some of it's planning and, uh, and, and so in that standpoint, you might know in advance from your conversations that you're going to have a conversation about a vision or even a roadmap, maybe even pre-draw that because you know exactly what it's going to be. Um, I also know people who will pencil in, uh, some of the elements so that they know a little bit about how they're going to lay out the space. If I know that it's going to be an hour-long conversation, I am I'm kind of timing myself as we go along to, to fill the page in, the, in about that amount of time. So for, for a half an hour in, I should, be, I should have about half, half the content on the page. Um, I tend to work left and right, left to right on the page. That's a little bit risky. Um, I've seen others who who um, actually start in the middle and kind of go top to bottom, right, left, or even in a circle, which can be really helpful for making sure that you fill out the space. Um, but yeah, so you have you have the conversations, you have a little bit, sometimes you have an, a, little, a little bit of an idea of the template. And the last thing I'll say on, on the page layout is for, um, for some, the the role of the scribe is is at a different level, almost like a meta level. And they are so tuned into the energy of the room. This is the next level of visual note-taking. They're so tuned into the energy of the room that they can just kind of feel the page. I know that sounds a little bit strange, but I've seen it. And there's a quality of the energy in the room that comes through in their, in their illustration. So um, everybody differs with how they approach it. The approach that I was just talking about is uh, more of a generative approach. And the person who's, I think, most well-known for this is Kelvy Bird. Uh, she has a book called Generative Scribing. You know, I would say if you're just starting out, um, you know, you, you, uh, I have some, some resources for starting out. And then if you, if you really want to take it to an advanced level, go take Kelby's class <laughs> because she's, she's the bringing the visual element almost into the, the theory you approach. Cause that's her background. Yeah. Thanks for that recommendation. And I love how you explained, basically you're getting in the zone and filling the page. Now I do wonder about the correlation between visual note-taking and teamwork I know a lot of our talent development professionals work together. Is there a way that visual note-taking help with teamwork? Absolutely. And, um, and so it's the process of seeing what's on the page. Here's a good example. Um, I had a client 
And one of the things that they needed to do was they needed to create a visual timeline of all of the things that happened over the last year. I love this exercise, the history map. For whatever reason, it's one of the hardest things to sell to clients because they just don't want to spend time looking at the past. I think they're afraid of it. But the history mapping activity is amazing. You need a good facilitator to work with this. And then you can either have the participants do it. And if you have a visual note taker there, they can help really map it out and make it beautiful. But as part of this activity, they had to map their key events and their insights and learnings over the past year. And what ended up happening was in the process, they were able to visualize how much they really did. And you can you can see it. You can see gaps. You can see how much gets on the page. You can see where information is... Um, is clustered. Oh, wow. I wonder what happened there. You can even have people, um, you know, map out when they joined the organization and then, and now it all makes sense. What that's, that's why that's the way it is. So the history mapping activity is just one example of how if a team is visualizing their insights in that format, um, with a good facilitator and potentially a visual note taker, they're going to have incredible insights and they're going to direct it instead of at each other and pointing fingers and they're going to direct it at the wall in a way that they can really resolve problems as an, instead of just pointing blame. I love that example. And I think that's a really fantastic way for people to think about what they might be able to do to incorporate some of this into their work. So how for for those of us, you know, who have never really used this before, whether you're thinking about maybe an upcoming team meeting, maybe a larger event, what are your recommendations for how to get started? How to determine what kinds of events might benefit from visual note taking? How do you, you know, figure out where you might incorporate that into, you know, perhaps even a, a meeting that you're having, a a standing meeting or something like that? Are there recommendations or tips or tricks for how we might start to think about bringing this into our own work? Absolutely, and so um, I'm. I'm going to speak to. I'm going to speak to uh, people who might be facilitators or trainers or 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 team leaders. Um, you know, not necessarily visual note takers. So, th- so things you can do. Um, well, y- you can decide. Do I want to incorporate more visuals into my own practice? Um, or potentially, do I want to bring in someone from the outside to come into my meeting? So that that's kind of a decision point for you. Um, if you would like to, let's start with the second one. If you would like to bring in someone from the outside, then the opportunities for this are usually, or when when there's more willingness to make an investment, is usually for larger events, um, conferences, or team offsites. Um, where you can, if you really want to create kind of that mural or have a digital scribe come in, um, you know, the, the other thing that you can do, um, for, for, you know, the team leaders out there is start to incorporate more visual tools beyond the visual note taker through using, um, if you're on virtual, a collaboration tool like Mural, um, or even, you know, even a Google Doc, just somewhere where you can visually start to capture ideas in collaboration with your team. That would be sort of for your, your everyday meeting type of thing. As I am a big Mural, I love geeking out on Mural. And I think it's great as just project space. Miro is great too, of course. I'm not hating on Miro. I just, I use Mural more. <laughs> um, 
so, so yeah, so bigger conferences, events, panels, talks, organizational offsites, absolutely get a scribe in there, have them come the whole day. Um, you know, uh, and then for smaller things, um, you know, to, to have, to incorporate more visual tools. Now, if you want to actually start doing this yourself, so you want to start doing the visual note-taking. Um, the first, the first thing is, so I have a resource on my website. If you go to dancingwithmarkers.com, click on the toolkit on the upper right. Um, I have a free resource called start your visual note-taking journey. And the first video is on overcoming your inner critic. <laughs> and it's the same ideas in the, so you think you can't draw video and, and really um, we have to overcome that, that fear of drawing or that fear of picking up a marker first, because that marker has a lot of power in it. So that's the first thing. And then the second thing is, um, is down either getting a book or attending a workshop. Um, I have a ton of resources on there, depending on what, medium you would like to try out um, and and just kind of start start uh, sinking your teeth into it. And the last thing is to find an avenue that you feel comfortable in practicing small. Um, so when I first got exposed to this, I happened to be in grad school. And so I just started bringing colored pencils and um, an unlined notebook with me to classes. And I just started sketch noting um, sketch showing in my classes. So if you, um, everybody's got a boring meeting. <laughs> so that means yep. that you have an opportunity to practice doing, uh, doing something or even, you know, bring it, bring your notebook to church. Nice. Now I'm going to just say, I went ahead and clicked on your website. Yay. And as soon as I landed there, I felt a sense of joy and happiness and positivity. It's very welcoming. And I know there tends to be some psychology behind colors. Was that purposeful? And is that part of visual note-taking? Do you recommend people consider that? First, thank you so much. We redid the website <laughs> last year. Um, I'm going to give a shout out to Olivia Mortensen, Mortensen Designs. Um, maybe we can send the link out because she she's a solopreneur, a woman-owned business, and she is awesome. And so she did the website on Squarespace, and I love her. And I haven't stopped working with her because she's <laughs> doing some because I keep having new ideas. Um, so Olivia did a great job with the website. In terms of color. Um, yes, color definitely has meaning. I mean, as a visual note taker, to be honest with you, when I, um, if I'm scribing, I usually default to branded colors for the organization because I know that those are colors that people connect to. Um, but then I, you know, to go beyond that, really wanting to think about what color is going to evoke. So, you know, it, of course, um, hot colors, our yellows, our oranges, and our reds are going to evoke a lot of energy. And our cool colors, our blues, our greens, our purples are going to have a more subdued, relaxed feel. And then there's the earth tones kind of connecting into, in, into the earth. Um, I did a, a nature conservancy graphic recording back in the fall. And so I used a lot of earth tones to kind of bring in that vibe. And so, yeah, of course, thinking about the type of energy of the conversation might influence your color palette. And it, it can really be fascinating. Um, you know, the recall people have when they, when they remember that big, 
bright sun, sunny vision spot. And they just remember right where it was on the page and they, they recall that, um, immediately. So definitely using color with intention can evoke a lot of energy in terms of my branding colors. Um, I always had the yellow. I love that golden yellow. It's my favorite color. Um, the, and then, uh, the red was an, was an accident. Um, if you hit the little favicon that's in my logo has that, that burnt orangey red. And I just like, so that was, that was about all of the decision that went into that. I have to say, I, I've actually been feeling really inspired as you've been chatting. I usually don't do this. I'm a big note taker when we are talking with people. I learned so much during these episodes. And I found that as you've been talking, I've actually been doodling a little bit, which is uncommon for me. And I'm feeling like I've got this new inspiration. Yay. I mean, it doesn't matter if you're not what you'd call an artist. What matters is that you get started. I just, I love the advice of the recommendations. and. Yay. I am really glad that we are not quite done chatting with you yet because <laughs> we are at the point where we are heading into our rapid fire questions. So each episode, we like to wrap up with a few rapid fire questions, which require less than 60 seconds to answer. So what do you say, Lauren? Are you ready for a little rapid fire? I am. I'm so excited. <laughs> Let's do it. All right. Oh my gosh. I love the energy. All right. So our first question for you is give us one book that everyone must read and why. The Bullet Journal Method. Ooh. I know. You're like, why did she oh, pick I, that? And it's not yeah. for the reason you think either. So I started bullet journaling about three years ago, and it just became my go-to task management system. I took all my lists, I put them in, in the bullet journal, and I am an analog girl. So I love it. Every day, I start with a blank page with my task list and what I'm going to do that day. It just helps me stay or stay organized. But I think that what Ryder Carroll has done in that book is that he has he's really brought mindfulness and tasking together. And so when I thought about this question of a book, and what if I thought about the book that I use the most, um, both in life and I also as a certified coach, I actually coach out of this book as well. Some of the techniques for goal setting are just awesome. Um, that is one book that's truly influenced and changed me. If you start bullet journaling, do not Google it. I repeat, do not Google it. Because if you see, if you Google bullet journaling, what you see is lots of these intricate little details of yeah. things that people do with their agendas. And if you want to do that, great, that's fine. But if you're just starting out, I would say focus. It's really meant as a tasking system. It's not meant as as pretty pictures. And and I certainly, if you looked at my bullet journal, you would never know that I was a visual note taker. But I also, oh, no you kidding. Know, I do a little nature journaling here and there. So bullet journal oh. method by Ryder Carroll. It's awesome. All right. <laughs> Jotted that one down. That sounds really interesting. I I'm always looking for new tools and techniques. That's great. So actually speaking of your next question is what is one tool that you can't live without? A Sharpie pen. Oh, I was sort of thinking you'd say something in the line of markers. That's a great one. <laughs> I was, I'm obsessed with Sharpie pens. Um, I, and it's the only pen that's allowed in my house. I mean, like ne never give me a pen. It will go in the trash. I, mm -hmm. I just, I, there, oh, this is the only pen I will use. Um, <laughs> yep. 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 It's the best pen. Um, if you're a fan of Sharpie pens, um, you know, definitely I'm, I'm here for you. Uh, but yeah, I have, I have them in my wallet. I have them in my car and I, I can't live without it. I have to always have one within reach. 
Yep. We are kindred spirits there. I love my Sharpie pens. Love my Sharpie pens. That's great. All right. Our last rapid fire question for you is what is the best piece of advice that you've ever been given? Um, so I, I, and any podcast interview I do and any opportunity I have, I love bringing up my mom. Um, she, so I'm a second generation facilitator. She was a facilitator, strategic communications person, and she is now re- happily retired and happily listening to stories of my facilitation that she no longer has to deal with. <laughs> but her, so but this, the advice that she gave me actually dates back to when I was in high school and I was training to be a dancer. And, you know, when you're training for something, you're always thinking about, well, when I'm going to be this, but I'm not that right now. And her advice to me in high school, and I think this applies to anything, is she said, you need to start saying, I am a dancer now. Because if you don't start saying that, you you won't appreciate the opportunities that you have right here in the moment. And I was glad that she said that because some of the best choreography I ever did was in in high school and college, not even when I got out. So that lesson of you are this thing now, it helps you both appreciate the opportunities that you have, but it also, um, if you are working towards a goal, it starts to naturally um, get you to begin to take actions towards that almost without thinking in that direction, which is if you're familiar with the appreciative inquiry body of work, it's exactly aligned with that. So I am a dancer now. I'm a visual note taker now. You are that thing now. So be it. <laughs> that is a beautiful message of growth. I mean, that it, that's incredible advice. Love that's you, some Mom. of my favorite advice I've heard. <laughs> wow. A very, very smart woman. That's incredible. Yeah, she's great. She's still great. <laughs> Lauren, we're so happy you joined us today to share your wisdom with our listeners. What a fun episode. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. I um, hope I didn't chat your off too much, but I certainly am a geek about a lot of things and this is a big one. So it was really a pleasure to be here and I'll you know, sh- certainly share with you a bunch of the resources we covered so that you can share them out with your listeners. Yes, we love it. And thank you to my co-host as well. Well, this was a true pleasure. I am so excited to start geeking out over some of this. (laughs) I never thought of myself as being able to incorporate something like this. Lauren, you've totally inspired me to get started and to get serious about it. I mean, this has been so much fun. Yay. My cup runneth over. I'm just, if you could see me and this is not just on audio, you would see me jumping up and down, but I can't because it would make too much noise in the microphone. So thank oh, you. I know it. Thank That's you the so hardest much. Part. <laughs> I think we're all doing that right now. <laughs> and many thanks to our community for listening. And before you go, we have a message from our producer, Helena Hodges. Whether you are a member of our chapter or not, we have resources for you. Go to dcatd.org and choose the chapter bulletin board to read our blog, access the member spotlight, and learn more about how TD professionals spend their time. Want to network with other chapter members? Join the Metro DC chapter of ATD members on LinkedIn today.